This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. Any Minnesotan who regularly visits friends and family on the coasts knows it's good to be prepared with some key facts about this great state. We've got plentiful parks, award-winning restaurants, a vibrant art scene. But even coastal skeptics might start nodding their heads when you remind them how much they rely on Minnesota businesses every day. Whether it's buying a sweater at Target, wearing earplugs from 3M, or eating some General Mills Cheerios. The Twin Cities punches far above its weight compared to other regions for the number of Fortune 500 companies based here. 16 Minnesota companies made the latest list. So how did Minnesota become a corporate hub? Today, we delve into the answer with award-winning business columnist Lee Schaefer, who spent many years in the business world before joining the Star Tribune. We recorded this interview just before the latest Fortune 500 list was released, showing Minnesota's count had dropped from 17 to 16 companies. But first, let's hear from reader Lynn Garthwaite, who submitted this question to Curious Minnesota. I've been wondering for a long time how it happened that Minnesota ended up with so many Fortune 500 companies. I mean, we're a landlocked state. We're kind of smallish on the scale. And so, you know, I've just had that question. What, what is it exactly that has brought so many Fortune 500 companies to the Twin Cities or to Minnesota? I'm here with Lee Shaper, our business columnist, who writes great columns that make really tough business topics very accessible to everyday readers. So if you haven't read them, I recommend checking them out. But it also makes him a great person to talk to today on this topic about why Minnesota and the Twin Cities has so many Fortune 500 companies. So Lee, when I'm at home, I, you know, I'm from the East Coast and I want to brag about Minnesota, which I am often doing. What can I say about the amount of Fortune 500 companies here? What is the succinct statistic that I can tell people? Well, you know, as of the last, we had 17, um, and it worked out to be the highest number of Fortune 500 per capita of a metro area of any of the top 30 metro areas in the country. So among uh, big for, cities in the, in the country, we're sort of number one per capita. No, number one per capita. There are other nice little hotbeds of these kinds of things, but not quite like the Twin Cities. And it's been our story for a long time. Right. And so some places have, you know, Detroit has auto manufacturing. Some places have very unique industries. But here, I mean, we're talking about retailers like Target and Best Buy, healthcare companies like United Health Group and Medtronic, food companies, General Mills, Hormel, Land O'Lakes, financial firms, U.S. Bank, Thrive and Financial, not to mention 3M and Polaris, you know, manufacturers, and then Cargill, which is not on the Fortune 500 because it's a private company. So we have such a variety, right? Yeah, and that's, that's a very interesting part of the story, right? How could this possibly have developed? If you look at the origins of it, it really comes down to people, not a particular industry expertise so much as a skill for building a business. All of our stuff is homegrown, by the mm -hmm. way. Nobody moved here. It all got started, some literally in a garage, some in office spaces, some so long ago, I don't even know where they started. Machine shop up north in the case of Polaris. So it's all homegrown. So let's go back to some of the early origins of this. You know, obviously the economy here has been, you know, we, we, have, we have a long history, but we can start to hone in on the bigger companies around the 1940s. Is that right? Yeah, that's kind of where I start the story. You might want to look back earlier because there are giants that 
go back earlier, 3M Company and General Mills come to mind. But in the 1940s, Minnesota was not a particularly prosperous state relative to a close neighbor like Wisconsin, much higher per capita income than Wisconsin. And what happened after the 1940s, and it's really kind of luck, there was a group that wanted to keep U.S. Navy codebreakers together. And so they came to St. Paul, Minnesota, right next to a big lumber store. The site is still there. And they this started is now where Menards big, is at the middle. Menards, yeah. And so they started building these big code breaking machines. They were kind of supercomputers, I guess you'd call them, mechanical, not silicon. And the, the only big customer for that kind of stuff was the Department of Defense, maybe Air Force. And when that company got acquired and then sort of taken apart, the people didn't want to leave. And that's sort of a key to understanding the story. They wanted to stay here. They liked it here. They liked working together. And Minnesota developed a computer industry, a, a big computer industry. The key company was called Control Data. It uh, was created in the 50s. It famously raised money in a speculative stock offering at $1 per share. It turned out great for anybody with the luck or the foresight to get in on it. And the industry kind of took off, attracted more people. Other companies got started from some alumni, and it just kept going. And and so that original company, a lot of us haven't heard of actually, Engineering Research Associates, right? That's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great part of our history, but there's not even a plaque. If you go over in the St. Paul Midway and find these little industrial buildings, uh, you won't even find any mention of it. But it was really a, a groundbreaking kind of place. And the people who worked there got attracted there later became sort of the people behind the supercomputer industry. Mm -hmm. uh, Cray is a supercomputer name you heard. Well, it has its origins here. And these businesses turned out to be big businesses. At one point, Control Data was the only real rival to IBM, Big Blue. It employed thousands of people here in the state and around the country. Before we get to the why, as far as the rest of these companies, I think it's interesting just to talk about some of the origin stories. So I think it was in the 40s, right? Is when Medtronic got yeah, its start? Medtronic, yeah, Medtronic's a very interesting story that they were in the garage for a long time. Northeast Minneapolis, a working class neighborhood of Minneapolis. And it started out as a repair business for electronical gadgets used in healthcare. Literally in the garage. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a big garage, but they stayed there for years. The big innovation was a battery-powered pacemaker, you know, to keep heartbeats steady. They were not an overnight success. They were somebody that just kept at it for a long time. And when they started to grow, they were able to attract talented people who would work at some of these computer companies I alluded to. So they started in a garage. We have two big retailers. You know, one, Target, got going at the same time sort of a Walmart did in Kmart, you know, with a store in Roseville that wasn't successful. But again, they stayed at it. They had a lot of management talent at the company that created Target. They knew how to build a big store company. Right next door, down the block, I guess, was a small electronics company called Sound of Music. Well, they had a tornado blow through town. And the tornado created these sort of damaged goods, right? These things in boxes. They were put out on tables, offered to the public as the best buy, and the public flocked there. The, the sale was so successful that the CEO trucked stuff from the warehouse, also put it out on the table, advertised it as a best buy, and the consumer responded. They later created far bigger stores that allowed the consumer to sort of come in and see the product. Didn't need a lot of hand-holding. I knew what I wanted. I was able to buy it carry it out of the store, plug it in. And Best Buy Company, as it was later called, put a bunch of competitors out of business. Nobody got better at that than Best Buy. 
Mm-hmm. Best Buy did have a visionary founder, but they also attracted lots and lots of talented people who could build a big company, who could build a big retailer. And they put a lot of people out of business. That sort of leads us to the next part of this, which is, you know, yourself and others have, you know, looked into the why, right? And, and tried to figure this out. And a lot of it comes back to this talent and these managers at these different companies that allowed them to grow. So who are these people? What are they doing every day? We're not necessarily talking about people who specialize in electronics so much as people who might specialize in human resources or something like that, right? Yeah, in retail, you know, you've got to have finance, you've got to have merchandising, you've got to have training, recruiting, all these things. And managerial talent doesn't necessarily stick in one spot. Maybe at 3M, historically, you went to work at 3M as a young person and you stayed there a long time. But it's pretty common to have people move from company to company. So if you start your career at Delta Airlines, move to U.S. Bank and end up getting recruited uh, United Health Group, a uh, very big insurance company, what you've done is carried with you everything you've learned along the way. And what and kinds of jobs do these people have? Well, there, there could be finance jobs, marketing jobs. And then there's a lot of technical jobs too, right? Where the technical challenge that you might have learned how to solve at 3M is not that different than what you might get confronted with at Medtronic. Different end market may be different application, but if, you, if you're a good engineer and a good problem solver, you're going to be valuable to a lot of people who need engineers. Software technology is certainly a more recent iteration of that career path, and lots of people need that kind of engineer. Uh, We have a very big company here uh, in the region that does logistics, and it's a technology business. How do you get stuff moving around the world without a lot of humans touching it? And those kinds of people can move from various places. The biggest technology company in our region is nominally a health insurer called United Health Group, and uh, they employ a lot of data scientists. And so is this sort of a continuous cycle? I mean, has this just kind of continued along more talent, creating more talent? I mean, how has that happened? Yeah, I call it a virtuous circle where people learn how to do stuff. A company grows, it's successful, it attracts more people who learn how to do stuff. Uh, Some of them might move on for opportunity and promotion. They help somebody else grow. They attract more people and it just keeps cycling around. If people were leaving the state and the economy was in decline, that same effect would work in the opposite direction. And fortunately, we haven't seen it. So adding one more why to this question here. So that explains perhaps why we had these companies able to grow. But why did we have this unique set of managers and things like that? I mean, what was there sort of an origin to that? I mean, why us? Why here? I'm not sure I'm a great expert on that. But what I can tell you is that, you know, people need to be recruited and trained. And it's not easy to get somebody to move to the Twin Cities. It's cold here. It's, you know, we're 400 miles away from Chicago, much further away from Los Angeles. It's not particularly easy to get people to move here. But what the data does show is that once you are here, you come to like it and you're really not likely to leave. And so if you want to move your career forward, are you going to go work at a different bank in Texas? Or maybe you're going to go work at Target, different industry altogether. Well, there's stuff that you'll bring to Target that they're going to want to have. It's just know-how and what you, what you learned how to do at U.S. Bank. Does this get back then to quality of life, schools and things like that as to why people may find this to be a good place to work? Yeah, I think that's relevant. I mean, one of the things that Professor Shaver found out at the University of Minnesota is that a huge chunk of the Twin Cities professional manager group have kids in public schools. And when he mentioned that to people in Boston and other parts of the country, 
they just about fall off their chair in shock because, you know, in some parts of the country, you tried to move into the Golden School District. And here there's lots of Golden School Districts. And, you know, that's one aspect. You know, our, our commute times are relatively short. Our cost of living is relatively low, relative, again, to some of these other places that have very vibrant economies. All of this points to a good quality of life. I mean, we do have challenges, certainly, but I would call it a very, very good place to live. There's some places that, that show up on lists of where young people ought to look. You know, Pittsburgh is on that list. Austin, Texas is on that list. Yeah, you invariably see Minneapolis, St. Paul, and And so, you know, we've just talked about going from the 1940s and talked about companies, you know, in the 20th century being formed. I mean, what do people think about the future here? Are we continuing to form companies? Uh, How does it look as far as the trend lines? You know, that's an excellent question. And I would call that one of our challenges. The youngest of the really big companies on the list, as best I can tell, is United Health, which was formed in 1977. And by the way, that's an extraordinary story from formation to what it is right now. It's certainly the top 10 of the Fortune 500. But a lot of the, of the most exciting businesses in the recent past are sort of big technology, you know, Silicon Valley, California. And uh, you know, we've not had one of those companies grow up to be a big company in our region. We do have nice growing entrepreneurial technology businesses here. We're not necessarily underrepresented in that sense. But that's where a lot of the excitement has been in the last 30 years. Google didn't exist in 1977. That's, you know, a very big company. And obviously, Amazon.com has just grown into this giant company in Seattle. We haven't had a story like that here. Is there a reason for concern about that? What are we going to do about that? I don't think there's anything to do other than continue to invest in education, continue to invest in our quality of life. The uh, opportunities will present themselves and one of these companies will, will grow up to be you know, really successful. The uh, remarkable thing is 25 years ago, there was a lot of electronics companies, electronics retailers and Best Buy survived them all. But when Walmart grew up to dominate the industry, the only company that really hung with them is Target Corporation. You know, so we do have... We have real success stories here, real opportunities for people to have wonderful careers working there. Uh, I would expect that to continue. Mm-hmm. Well, Lee, thank you so much for coming on today. I feel like we got a great overview of not only the firms that we have here in the state, but also how they got their start. Um, you know, such so many interesting stories there. So thanks for breaking this down for us. And I feel like we're, we're now armed with a lot of good information if we want to go boast about Minnesota elsewhere. Well, thanks for having me. Turned out to be fun. Listeners, do you have a question for us here at Curious Minnesota? Record it using the Voice Recorder app on your smartphone and email it to curious at startribune.com. We may feature it and the answer on a future episode. And do you have feedback about the podcast? Things you like or things you think we could improve? We'd love to hear those too. Email us at curious at startribune.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.